Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, I'm glad that you are here. And uh, we've got a great day planned today. And I want you to be praying and asking the Lord what he wants to do with your life. Every time you come to the house of God, the word of God is opened. <clears throat> I believe God wants something from us, wants to teach us something. And uh, I pray that we don't just get information as we look to the Bible, that we also apply it to our lives and allow it to change us. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter number five today, Ephesians chapter five. And uh, I want to welcome a few people today. There is a missionary with um, ministering to the Chinese in Latin America. I did not get a chance to meet him, but I like his name, Jeremy. He's a good guy. He must be a good missionary. And uh, Matt, is it Jeremy? Matt, where's Jeremy at? Is he in here today? There he is. Good to have you here today. Are you with your family? Yes. Okay. Okay, great. Well, we're glad you're here. I look forward to meeting you after the service today. And uh, make sure you go by and, and meet them and welcome them to our service today. Also, I met uh, a young lady today. She's new to the, um, to the Toledo area, and she waited on um, the Dissup family last night. And Brother Dick, where, where are you at? And you're a guest right next to you there? Yeah. She's 21 years old. Just moved to, moved to Toledo to go to school about six months ago, right? And they met her last night. She's from Cleveland. And uh, any Indian fans in here? You're among some friends. Okay. <clears throat> and um, any Browns fans in here? There's one. Good. Yeah, there's one. But she got gloriously saved last night. She trusted Christ as her Savior. And so we praise the Lord for that. And so she is our friend, our guest today. We're so glad that you're here with us today. And also the Redlands. Where are the Redlands at? Did I see them? Are they in here? They're back here. And uh, Tell and Taylor are here. And they're interviewing this weekend with us here. And so I want you to go by and... Um, uh, meet them, and uh, we'll give you some more information about them. Uh, but uh, we hope that they have a great weekend. They'll be with us through Tuesday of uh, this upcoming week. And so we're thankful they're here as well. So make sure you go by and, and meet these guests. And uh, I'm glad they're here today. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. And uh, we're going to read a few verses here. I'm going to do a series in the book of Ephesians here. It'll take us a few weeks. My wife had said to me, she says, you know, instead of preaching... Um, like three messages in one every week and being, you know, an hour and 45 minutes, she said, why don't you just do, you know, break it in part and do like three messages. And so I told her as she prepares my messages for me, if she'll just break those apart. And she did that for me today. And, um, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to be in a few weeks here. Uh, Ephesians five, several places throughout Ephesians is just packed full of, of wonderful things here for the Christian. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number one, Ephesians 5, verse number one, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Boy, we could just stop there and let that sink in. Be their followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints, 
neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of a disobedience. And look with me in verse number seven. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. As Christians, we are traveling through this world. In, we're not citizens, though, of earth traveling to heaven, but rather we are citizens of heaven traveling through earth. And, and don't miss that today because there's a big difference between the two. This earth is not our home. You, you know the song, we're just a, a passing through. We're not citizens of this earth. Our friend that was received Christ last evening, she is now a citizen, a citizen of heaven. And heaven is her home. And, and, and those that have trusted Christ as her savior were citizens of heaven. And we're not to partake with the things here on this earth. I can't explain fully what God is doing in my heart. And over the last, I don't even know how long it's been there. But for some period of time, I just feel, I just feel that God is, is working in my heart. And, and I sense this, just a strong conviction to warn and to proclaim and, and, and to convey that Jesus Christ is coming soon. I believe that, church. I believe that we're watching this world get so wicked. I talk to many people and they say this, I don't even wanna watch the news anymore because things are just seemingly spiraling out of control. Things that are accepted in this world that at one time were, weren't accepted. How many of you remember, I asked the one o'clock service this couple Wednesdays ago. Um, I said, how many of you remember when television came, in, came on the scene? Anybody remember that? We got a few of you remember that. When, 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 when TV or radio first came on, you, you remember there were certain things you could not say? And, and if you said it, they'd kick you off the air. Or they wouldn't be able to have your show. My daughter, my youngest daughter asked my mom uh, one time a few years back, she said, mom, were you, were you alive when the world was in black and white? <laughs> she thought maybe all of a sudden, you know, that we got color. And I said, no, it's just cameras were just in black and white, but the world was always in color. But back when the world was in black and white, the things that are accepted today never would have been thought of. The things that we're seeing I read when the Bible says, as the days of Noah, I believe that we are seeing those days in front of us today. The world is just waxing worse and worse and worse. And Paul, though, I want us to understand that when Paul was writing to this book of uh, 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 Ephesus, to this church at Ephesus, he was writing to a world that was full of sin. Paul even thought the Lord was going to come in his day. And what did Paul do? He warned. He, he spoke to a, uh, a church that was just apathetic. He spoke to Christians that were, were carnal, living for themselves. 
He was constantly challenging the church and believers in Christ to, to, to respond accordingly that we're citizens of heaven and we ought to behave in such a way. Today, I want us to look at these passages. And over the next few weeks, I, I want us to look with a heart of, God, if there's something in my life that you want changed, change it. I'm concerned we as Christians, we're living Christian lives and we're not understanding or even realizing the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life any longer. We're able to live without communicating with the Spirit of God that's dwelling inside of us. There's a form of godliness. The Christian's getting too comfortable in the world. We're living for things that, that are of this world. And today, I preach to warn us of these things. And I've said this to you often, church, when I preach to warn us of these things, I'm not preaching to step on anyone's toes. I'm preaching to capture your heart, to get us to turn to the Lord, to get us out of apathy, to get us out of sleep. I'm afraid we've come to a place that we're living, as I just said, living without any communication with the Holy Spirit of God. And we're living powerless as Christians. Therefore, we're living powerless as a church. And we don't have to live powerless as the world gets worse and worse. Paul is writing and he tells them, there's three things I want you to, three ways I want you to walk. We're gonna look at that first way here today. But we see this in verse number two, he says, and walk in love. In verse number eight, he'll tell them, walk as is, uh, uh, children of light. And in, in uh, verse 15, he'll tell them, walk not as fools. But Paul is giving them a, a path, a, a, a way for us to walk. But we've got to allow the Spirit of God to continue to work in us, have power from the Spirit of God. We ought to, we ought to never get tired of people trusting Christ as their Savior. What a wonderful thing that is. We ought to never get uh, tired of people uh, being baptized. Matter of fact, it ought to concern us when those things aren't happening in a church. It ought to bother us. It ought to convict us. It ought to move us. So often, if we're not careful, the only testimony the believer has in their life today is the testimony of salvation because there's no experiencing of the Spirit working in their life. There's no power. There's no miracles taking place. There's no changing taking place. And we're dry. And the Christian life is never meant to be that way. Do, do you still believe that God is a God of miracles? I do. Do you believe that God can still heal? I do. We're praying, we've got a prayer list full of people. I believe that God can still do miracles. I believe that he can still change hearts. I believe he can still, he can still break uh, uh, the hardened of hard hearts. If we're not careful, a Christian can become selfish in their, in their living. We're tossed to and we're tossed just all to and fro. We're swept away by emotions and by feelings. We might know the word of God, but are we applying it? You know, Christian, it's one thing to teach our children to memorize verses. It's another thing to teach our children how to apply those memorized verses to our life. We need to do the same. We're not caring for the foundation that our lives are to be built upon. And I want to address this today. 
because Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he gives them these three ways, walk in love, walk as children of light, and walk not as fools. Today, I want us to look at this walking in love. Walking in love. Look with me again, if you would please, in verse number one and two, Paul says this, be therefore followers of God, or that word followers, imitators of God, or behave like God. When you leave your, 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 your prayer closet, when you leave your home and, and when you are dealing with your family, when you're dealing with society, everywhere you go, be imitators of God or followers of God as dear children. And he says in verse number two, and please mark this down, and walk in love. We're to imitate God. That, that means this, that we're to, to, to live as God lived or would have us to live holy lives spirit-filled lives. That's the example. That's the command. That's what Paul is pleading with the church at Ephesus, to walk holy lives. Christians, we are living in this world, and we ought to be different. And as the world gets worse and worse, we ought to be even more and more different. I've said this to you on many occasions. As the world gets worse, it isn't just as long as we stay a few steps ahead of the world, we're okay. We are to stay firmly rooted in the word of God. And as the world moves farther and farther away from that, we ought to be farther and farther away from the world. It isn't as long as I'm not as bad as the world, I'm okay. Because the world is not what our rule is. That is not what we're comparing ourselves against. What we're comparing ourselves against is living for God. Be ye therefore followers of God. What does this mean? Look with me. He says, in verse number two, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And look what walking in love should do and hath given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. And so what does walking in love look like? What is being an imitator of God? What does being a follower of God look like to us here today as we study this scripture? Forgive us, we're having these difficulties with this. So bear with me. And really what happened is I've found out some of you didn't have enough coffee, you're sleeping. And so every so often, <clears throat> no, and if you don't, if you don't listen to that, the seats start to buzz. So just, and then we added this, it's, it's 3D today. We're adding water. It's going to shoot you the water. It's kind of like a ride um, at an amusement park. You'll love church. I told you church is going to be exciting today. You just wait. You're going to leave here buzzed and wet when you leave. <laughs> what does this mean? God, it means this, Christ gave himself for us. We are to be at a place in our, our walk with the Lord as believers. The thing that makes us look different, walking in love, walking as Christ, imitators of God. You know what that means? Giving of ourselves. Christ was of heaven and he, 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 he came to this earth to do the will of the Father. He is from heaven. He comes to this earth to do the will of the Father. And as I said originally with this message today, we're citizens of heaven. Do you know what that means each and every one of us ought to be doing here on this earth? The will of the Father. When, when someone meets you, they ought to be meeting God. I was excited. I don't mean to embarrass her today, but boy, it's exciting when someone introduces you to a friend in church that met Jesus Christ last night. 
that, that's what we're doing. We're meeting people in this world and we're introducing them to our heavenly father. We're introducing them to Jesus Christ. We're showing them what a true Christian ought to be and how a true Christian ought to behave and how a true Christian gives. I want you to see this morning that when Christ came to this earth, again, in verse number two, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Would you write this down as we walk in love? We're supposed to be purposeful in our actions. Christ came to this earth for a reason. And that was to do the will of his father, to seek and to save those that were lost. Christ came and he was purposeful in everything that he did. We as Christians, we need to, each day of our lives, let's, let's determine that we are going to be purposeful in our actions, that today we are going to do the will of the Father. It's not just something that happens sporadically or every so often or once a month or, or no, it's every moment, every day, every, every week, every month, every year of our life, every moment of our life, we're doing the will of the Father. God has a plan. He has a desire that he wants you to do for him. There are people in this world that need to meet Jesus Christ in his desires for you to introduce them to Christ. There's others that are discouraged, that need to be encouraged. There's others that need to be blessed. There's others that need to be helped. There's others that need to know uh, a touch from God. And God has placed us, citizens of heaven, on this earth so others would know God. What a great honor that is. What a wonderful opportunity that is. I see this, that Christ was purposeful in his actions as he came to do the, the will of the Father. He, mark this down, please. He represented the will of his father. Everything he did, he represented the will of his father. Can we say that of ourselves here today, that we are living to represent the will of our father? That we know that we are doing, you say, how do we do this? And this is why the Holy Spirit is so important in the life of the Christian. You can't do the father's will without the leading of the spirit of God. You can't do the Father's will. You'll never figure it out on your own. We've got to be led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and obedient to the Spirit of God as he's leading us in our life. Would you write this down as well? Our life is lived as an offering to God, a gift, something given by sacrifice. Look again with me in verse number two. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Does that describe your life today? A life of sacrifice? A, an offering, something you freely give? We, over this last year, we don't pass the offering plate. We used to have ushers that would come in a time in our service where we'd pass an offering. Now we have buckets that are all around. But, but you know, there's, there's no one that takes money from anyone here. There, there's no one that as you walk in, they say you have to give something. To, to be a member of our church, we don't make you give us your bank statement and, and take out a certain amount of money. It doesn't, shouldn't be that way. An offering is something that's freely given. It's something that you do because you desire to do it, you want to do it. It wouldn't be an offering or gift if it was forced. I wonder today how many of our lives are being lived as an offering to God. 
God, take this. Use this for what you want. Use my life for your will. This is our service to him. And I, and I want you to see, though, this, that Paul gives a very stern warning. And, and it's, 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 it's interesting as Paul is walking, talking to us of walking in love. In the very next verse, in this section of verses, Paul goes from walking in love as Christ also hath loved us and, and gave himself. And Christ is the example. And then he immediately, in verse number three, gives us a stern warning of things to avoid. Because these things that he begins to speak about in verse number three are things that are naturally done in our flesh. These are things that we do on our own. And we can have a choice. We're either going to walk in love, be followers of God, imitators of God, or, 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 or use Christ as our example and give of ourselves willingly, or we are going to live in our flesh. Christian, this is where we need to be cautious. Because there's a stern warning here. Paul says this in verse number three, but fornication and all uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Paul here says there's some things that are natural for the, for the, for the human being to be a part of. These are things that have swept into Christianity. They've swept into our lives. They've swept into the church. And unfortunately, in some cases, it's taken over. And there's a reason why we're not giving of ourselves to God as an offering. There's a reason why we've gotten so far from biblical values. There's reasons why the foundation is eroding in our lives because we have allowed ourselves to determine how we're going to live. We've allowed our flesh to dictate what it wants. We've decided what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And the Holy Spirit of God's voice is silenced in us. He says in verse number three, these stern warnings, he says sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is against God. And, I, and I, church, I know we preach against things like homosexuality, or we might preach against this, the, the, uh, 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 those movements in, in, in society, but I want us to understand in God's eyes, all sexual immorality is sin. It's all sin. Fornication is sin. It's getting quiet in here. It's all around us. God desired and designed for a man and a woman to be married. And there are things that God only planned for a man and a woman after marriage to partake in. I read an article not long ago and I read it to the church and I don't have the article here, but it was surveying college students on college campuses all over America. In, in, the, in the article read this, that the majority of them said this, we're here to have as many sexual partners as we possibly can while we're here in college. It's what American college students do. How do you know what you want and what you want to spend the rest of your life being, who you want to be with the rest of your life unless you've tried multiple people? That's against God's word. 
anything impure, the Bible says, not just sexual immorality or fornication, but anything impure. We're living in a day where things are just wicked. Thoughts are wicked. Actions are wicked. And Paul is not just addressing, I want you to see here, he's not addressing the world as he's writing the book of Ephesus. He's addressing the church. Oh, it's easy to, to preach against the world. It's easy to preach against those that don't know Christ. But Paul is writing this to the church and he says, these things, let not them become of saints or don't let this be a part of the church. Christians resist these things, flee from these things. Greed and covetousness, that's, that's this, living for this world. I want what I can get in this world. I want to have what I can have in this world. And that's anti-Bible for the believer. We don't live in this world to get, to gain, to, 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 to live for a thrill for ourselves. We live in this world to follow after God and imitate God and show others what God would do. And we're supposed to live a life pleasing to Christ as Christ lived. We can't walk in love if we're filled with impure thoughts. We can't walk in love if we're filled of greed and covetousness. These things are natural as a sinner, a sinful man. But we don't have to have and live under bondage with these things. Christ died, as we sang today, so many songs of the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, if you are a child of God, you are washed pure, you are washed clean. Jesus Christ died for every sin that you have ever committed, ever will commit. You don't have to live in bondage any longer to sin. We're free from this. And we have the spirit of God. That's what makes the Christian different. When we get saved, we don't get filled with religion. When we get saved, we don't get filled with, 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 with ourselves. When we get saved, we get the spirit of God that lives inside of us, that guides us and directs us. That, that lays that path out that we're to walk. Look, look with me in verse number six, if you would, please. He says this, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of a disobedience. And this verse is a verse burning inside of me. Because the world's always going to argue against righteousness. But I don't believe that Paul is warning them when he says, let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. I don't think that Paul is just warning them against, against unsaved people. I think he's warning even against the religious people. This past week, this past week, I, well, several weeks ago, I guess it's been now, I wrote a letter to our church and, um, and I, asked, I asked our church to, to take this letter and I gave you the, the senators in Ohio and Michigan and, and I asked our church to read that letter and to contact your Congress or your senators. There's a, there's a, there's a bill that um, 
has passed the House of Representatives, the Equality Act that now is in the Senate. And I asked our church to let our voices be heard. I had a, um, I had a uh, um, newspaper, the Suburban Press, contact us and wanted to know this Suburban Press is from Lucas, Ottawa, Sandusky, and Wood County. And they said they had 25,000 subscribers to their publication and, and plus online, um, which is obviously unknown how many people would read it online. And they asked if they could publish this letter uh, that I had written to our church. And I shared with them, I have no problem with them publishing the letter as long as they publish it word for word. I didn't want them taking and dissecting it and making my letter say something that it didn't say. And they agreed to publish it as I wrote it. I knew that it was published because almost immediately I started to receive emails. Not nice emails. And it wasn't those that were not Christians that necessarily concerned me. What, what concerned me was when I received emails from those that claim to be Christians. What concerned me was I received an email from a pastor that said this, that it is pastors like you. It is local, it's pastors like you that are causing people to forsake and leave churches today. It is pastors that are like you that are hateful and mean-spirited and intolerant and support discrimination. It's a quote. And I want to say it's pastors like them that deceive people. Because Paul says this, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God. Listen to me, church today. We don't preach against sin because we hate people. We preach against sin because we love people. We preach against sin because there is the wrath of God that's coming. I've said this so often. I'm raising five children in this generation. I don't want my children one day to say, God, Dad, you are a pastor. You are a watchman on the wall. It was your responsibility to preach the word of God. It was your responsibility to preach the truth. Why didn't you? God has given us this generation, and, and, and I believe that every, every Christian and every pastor and anyone that says they're a, a man of God ought to live and preach the word of God. Listen to me, church, we can't choose and decide what we like and what we don't like. I, I'd love to get up every week and just preach God is love. He is love, but there's also coming a day of wrath. I'd love to get up and preach to live your life however you want to live. You know how easy that would be? You know how lovely it would be never to receive any, anybody that emails you and, and, and dislikes you? But that's not what God has called me to do, and that's not what God has called us to do. 
I asked both of our senators in Ohio. I've been vocal about this act and I've, I've asked both of our senators. And um, I've called both offices. I've talked to, to, to both of our senators' offices. I've talked to one senator. I'll read his response. I shared with our senators this. I would like a response from you because I want to give this response to our church. I told them I, our church. I told them that we have a Christian school. We have a preschool. And I said, I, wanna, I, want, I want to give your response. I don't want to speak for you. I, I, I want to tell them exactly what you have to say. This is what one of our senators said. Thank you for expressing your views about the Equality Act. Since I was first elected to Congress in 1992, I have been a strong supporter of longtime ally of the LGBTQ community. I believe that every American, regardless of race, religion, socioeconomic status, so sexual orientation, or gender identity, should be treated equally under the law of this great nation. Although we have seen much progress over the past decade, too many of our LGBTQ friends, family, and neighbors still face continued discrimination. This is wrong, and our law should protect them from discrimination in all of its forms. Although the 2015 Supreme Court ruling on marriage equality was a significant step forward for the LGBTQ rights, there remains a lot of work to be done to make sure the LGBT community has important legislation that would help ensure all Americans, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, a protected class, amending federal law to prohibit discrimination against people for their sexual orientation and gender identity in public accommodations, federal financial assistance, education, housing, employment, credit, and federal jury service. Everyone deserves protection under the law, and I will continue to work in the Senate to fight for those rights on behalf of the LGBTQ Ohioans and all Americans. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with me. Sincerely, Sherrod Brown, United States Senator. I've called, I've talked to, I've emailed, I've written letters, and Senator Portman has yet and refuses to give me a public statement where he stands on this issue. I shared with his office this past week that that is going to be my response then to our church. They have one that's clearly, you have the other one, I believe it has no courage at all. And won't even put down on paper and writing what he believes and how he's going to vote. My response to this senator was this, I received your response how you will vote on the so-called Equality Act when it comes time to vote in the Senate. Needless to say, I'm alarmed and deeply concerned. I believe that you have chosen to support corporate America over the constituents of Ohio. I beg of you to rethink your vote on this bill. I cannot fathom how you want to go down in history as fundamentally changing the religious liberties of this nation. Why do you seek to violate the Bible and God's law? As a student of theology, I hold strong biblical standards. This is not my choice to pick and choose what I want to follow in the Bible. As a Bible believer, I must follow the whole counsel of God. This bill would discriminate against Christian organizations. Do you represent our religious rights as well? I do not hate any person. I want to speak truth from God's word and warn everyone about God's judgment when mankind chooses to sin. As a citizen of Ohio and a pastor of a church in a Christian school, will my rights be protected? Will I still have a choice on who I hire and who we choose to marry?
well, will I be discriminated against because of our religious beliefs? And I begged him of this. I'm praying that you will seek God's law and God's wisdom before you lead our nation down a path of destruction. Ultimately, is not the voter or corporate America who we will answer to. Who you will answer to one day will be God. And I pray you approach that day with fear and trembling. I'm praying for you, your fellow American citizen. You see, we've come so far in this world. Murder, sexual assault, anger, rage, killing of innocent children. In church, our country has become openly defiant against a holy God. And Paul warns that God's wrath is coming upon the children of disobedience. And he, hit, he gives us this plea in verse number seven. And this is Paul's plea to the church, to the Christian. In verse number seven, be not ye therefore partakers with them. You know what he's saying to the church? Don't get caught up with these things. Don't get caught up. God's message is that of love. God's message is that of he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to forgive every single man his sin debt. That's the message that God has. That's the word of God. God's message is a message of love. God's message is a message of forgiveness. But the word of God is also a message that God's wrath is going to come. And those that do not confess and repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will experience the wrath of God. Why would we want that to take place? Christian, that message ought to wake us up. That message ought to make every one of us realize that you are placed here for such a time as this, in a generation like this, to preach the word of God and give all men hope. 